0: So we just uh, launched eight new prayer meetings a week starting this week. So we had Monday to Thursday, 7.30 a.m. and noon every day, so eight, eight meetings. We had nearly 900 people come for those meetings, so it was an awesome week relaunching the World Prayer Center and those weekly prayer meetings. But Wednesday... My mom stood up in uh, the room and she, you know, it's been really dry around here in Colorado and we live in the high desert and we need to not have more fires and so we need to pray for, my mom felt led to pray for rain, pray for snow and I should have told her to be more specific. (laughs) Saturday, mom, pray for Saturday. Every Chick-fil-A owner prays that it will snow on Sunday and every pastor prays that it will snow on Saturday or Monday. So anyway, thank you for praying, Mom, and I forgive you. Um, uh, Welcome to church tonight. We are launching a new series, and it is a very clever title. The series title is, Who is God? Uh, Yes, so if it's okay with you, for the next six months or so, we're gonna talk about God. Um, You can laugh with me a little bit. There are fewer of you, so I'm gonna need you to overperform tonight, okay? So uh, let's go. From the, yes, pretend you grew up Pentecostal. Pretend you're from Tulsa like me. Okay, yeah, hey, Hallelujah, my God. People getting quickened in the Holy Ghost tonight. We're gonna have some fun here tonight. We, as Brady says, swing hard in case you hit it. You know, so we're gonna swing hard tonight in case we hit it. Um, but for the next six months, we're going to take. Uh, Each person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and take about eight weeks per, and say, okay, what does it mean to say God is Father? And tease out different dimensions of his fatherhood, and what does it mean to say God is Son, God is Jesus Christ? What does it mean to say God the Holy Spirit? And so we'll do that leading up to Easter, eight weeks leading up to Easter, we'll talk about Jesus. And then after Easter, it's the season of Pentecost, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit for eight weeks. So it's gonna be a great time. So that's a little heads up as to where we are going. So tonight what I wanna do is read you the text found in Matthew 16. And this is Jesus talking, and he's having a conversation with his disciples. So hear the word of the Lord. I'll read this, and then I'll pray. And we'll jump in. So it says this, Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist and others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus says, that's great, fine, perfect. Verse 15, But who do you say? What about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, the bold one, the one who's going to talk until he says something, even if he puts his foot in his mouth, every once in a while, Simon swings hard and he hits it. And he says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by human beings, by flesh and blood, But this was revealed to you by who? My Father in heaven. Simon, blessed are you. For this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we invite you to move among us tonight. We invite you to have your way. We invite you to speak and to rearrange our priorities. We invite you, Lord, to surprise us with a word, a phrase, an image. Lord, catch us off guard and heal us tonight. Deliver us tonight. Encourage us tonight. Comfort us tonight. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Even the dogs are Pentecostal here. <laughs> Lord, we thank you. <laughs> that was awesome. We thank you for your word tonight. We pray, Lord. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord our strength and our redeemer. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And all God's people said, Amen. amen, hallelujah. Who do you say that I am, Jesus asks. And one of the great theologians of the 20th century said that that wasn't just a moment in time that Jesus asked his disciples on that day But who do you say that I am is the recurring question for all humanity for all time. That God is ever and always asking us that question. That God is teasing out, okay, what do do people say about me? And then he'll lead us to this moment where he looks us in the eyes and he'll say, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? that is the recurring question that every person that has ever walked the face of the earth has to look God in the eyes and answer and A.W. Tozer famously said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so the question that we want to ask in this series and that we'll, we'll come back to over and over again is, so who is God in the Christian imagination? And tonight we're going to say what we 've heard and what we 've become familiar with, but I pray tonight it will it will breathe afresh and move afresh among us we 're going to say tonight that God is Father God is Father, and to say God is Father is to say that the world is loved <laughs> that the world is cared for, that the world is provided for that uh, despite what the headlines say and despite what it feels as the enemy sort of tightens the screws on our souls and, and the anxiety comes, despite all of that, we're able to stand here tonight and say somehow, some way that the world is safe. When we say God is Father, we believe that he is for us. To say God is Father is to say that the world is not at its core a lonely mass of strangers. We sometimes live this way and it's a self-inflicted wound. But God, if he is father and, and if we are his children, if the world is relational with the, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then we, we can say that at its core, the world is not a lonely mass of strangers. To say God is father is to say that there is order and coherence and cohesion and there is, there is covering over the world. To say God is father is to say that benevolence and blessing is the bedrock experience that we're, that we're really meant to have. God is Father. I remember meeting my children, and I wasn't sure that I'd be able to be in the room for Lillian's birth. I just didn't know if I could take it. I was soft. I was a newbie. I just thought, you know, let me know how it goes. I'll be in the hallway drinking coffee. I I, I didn't think I would actually do that, but I wanted to leave that option open because, you know, I, they pull out the the needle. You know, it's like, 17 inches long to give Lisa the what is it called the epidural jam that upper spine and I just I about got slain in the spirit and the the doctor said why don't you sit on the bed next to her because I was white as a sheet and so I you know I just wanted to last through that one I wanted to make it and not be you know cause a scene be drama queen and, and we made it and it was wonderful. And Lillian came, what a beautiful gift. And there she was, this first human being that Lisa and I went in on and, and God provided for us. And, and uh, man, what a gift. And we're celebrating. And you know, they lay her under the hot plate, you know, the sh- that they keep old burritos under and bad pizza at the gas station. And there she was and I broke, just broke open, you know, wow, I wasn't ready to, to love someone like this instantaneously. And then the boys came and I got stronger. I was able to deliver both of the boys. I was at the hospital, the doctors were there, but I said, get out of the way. I got to make up for the first time, you know? And so, you know, I caught those little men of God and brought them into the world, slapped them up the face and, and welcomed them. And, and it was such a gift to, you know, and, and, and the, the joy of that, but also the instant, responsibility and the instant sobriety that comes when you go, oh my Lord, this, this child's gonna look up to me as father. This child is going to depend on me for it. All I want to be is a good father. I wanna, I wanna love them, I wanna pray for them, I wanna teach them, I wanna champion them. I wanna be their biggest fan on planet Earth and Lisa and I tell them this all the time, like it doesn't matter wherever you go, whatever you do, no one will love you more than us. <laughs> We will always be your people. And I remember Lillian one year having this. Uh, she's played competitive soccer for all these years. And one year she had a real difficult coach. And it just wasn't flowing. And there wasn't much affirmation. And we were, our hearts were broken for our girl. Because it's just like, say something nice to her. She's busting her tail. You know, like she's 10. and 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 so she was having one of those years. And we were just brokenhearted, watching her every Saturday. But this one Saturday, she was playing back right and back right and she she broke away and went up the, up the side, made a nice pass and then the, her teammate let her and she ripped it into the bottom side of the left, left corner of the net and won the game and we just went bonkers. I mean, we got in the car, I'm hugging her, I'm wrestling her, you know, Screaming and yelling like, you are my girl and I am so proud of you and I love you and I will always, there's something about us saying God is Father that all of these images and all of these metaphors and all of these good moments, they conjure up that, that God is for us. But I'm also regularly aware of how much I fall short. Every once in a while I I do a decent job, but I, I, I look at how fall, far short I fall, and I, I know that I'm not enough. Lillian is in precalculus. What in the heck is precalculus? At third grade, I was no longer able to help her, and and I just she's just so smart, and I I'm in over my head, and I want to help you, but I'm sorry. Talk to your mom and. I'm not ever going to be able to teach my sons to be a craftsman like Matt Gowler or other ones of you in here that just are so handy, you can do anything. And I, I wish I could give them that gift and I just gotta send them over to Uncle Matt. And, you, and, and I'm not ever going to, to do that. And I, I get tired and I get impatient and I get, ah, and those moments where I think, gosh, I, I wanna be a better dad. Anyone ever recognize how, how far short we fall. I, I, last night, I rarely remember my dreams, but I actually woke up remembering a dream, and I think the Spirit was speaking to me through my subconscious, knowing what I was going to be speaking about, but I had this dream of my boys. Uh, I, was, I was mad at my boys, and they're, I, this is silly, but Wilson's 12 and Wakeley's nine, and we were getting ready to go to youth group in my dream, and, and I was smuggling in my nine-year-old. He's way too young, but I'm a pastor here, and what are they gonna do, kick him out? So we... I was taking the boys to church in my dream and as we were pulling out of the, the house, the, they'd left their shoes out in the yard and I was just immediately so mad. I, this is a silly dream, right? But I was immediately so mad at my boys and driving them to youth group and their shoes are out in the yard and I just immediately stopped the car and I started yelling, and, do you know how much I spent on those shoes? And you're gonna dishonor our family name by leaving them out in the yard. And I was just, yeah, i put the car in park, get out of the car, out. You're not going to church anymore, as if keeping them from church is a great punishment. (laughs) And I, I, can anyone else give me a witness of how far far short we fall in these moments? And I remember laughing, waking up at like the things that I let get under my skin. and, And here I am carrying this title father for them, but I have all these gaps I'm not enough for them. And then, as we talk about God is Father, I'm also very, very aware that much of the very worst that has ever happened on planet Earth has been done by someone carrying the title Dad or Father. Can we be honest here tonight that not all of us have carried that title well or many of us have been wounded. And, and, and I hear stories all the time of people that, like, this is supposed to be the safest person in my life and yet it was the most dangerous person in my life. So when we say God is Father, there's all those colorations and all those difficulties and all of that baggage that we so naturally carry. And we want to believe that the world is loved. And we want to believe that the world is cared for. And we want to believe that the world is safe. But then we experience someone who carries that little F Father, right? Instead of the, the Heavenly Father. And they, they, they mangled it. There's difficulty there for many people that hear this story. And so we naturally superimpose the very worst of our experience on planet Earth and we put that on the man upstairs because we can't call you father anymore. You're the man upstairs because there's a little distance there. There's a little bit of soul safety there. There's a little bit of emotional help there. The the man upstairs, you know, we, we, we don't wanna risk the intimacy of calling him father because we know what it's cost us in the past. Has anyone been there? One of the most crucial texts in all of scripture is found in Exodus where God self-discloses to Moses. Moses is this young man who's lived his story. Moses was a part of the enslaved people of Israel who found themselves in Egypt. And Moses, who in his infancy had been floated down the Nile River in a wicker basket, raised by Pharaoh. Because his mom, Pharaoh, had given a decree, kill all those Hebrew boys. Throw him in the Nile. And so Moses' mom got real creative and created this wicker basket and put her little beautiful Hebrew boy in the Nile River and floated him down the river, trusting him to God. And wouldn't you know that Pharaoh's daughter's out there bathing with all of her her, her gals and they see this basket and they go and fetch the basket and there's this beautiful little boy with chubby cheeks. And they go, what in the world? So they bring him into Pharaoh's house and Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house, a Hebrew Growing up in the the enslaver's empire, did Moses have abandonment issues? Did Moses feel pressure to perform? Did Moses feel like he was provided for, but he wasn't nurtured? (laughs) Maybe some of you have experienced that before. You had what you needed, but you didn't have the one thing that you wanted. Here's Moses growing up and dad that was Never around, Pharaoh, my guy now, he's, he's running the empire and sure he's giving me everything I need but I, I don't have my dad and here I am growing up with this guy who's crushing my people. It's just interesting to me where Moses comes from that wrestling with the father question. And God discloses himself, it's important to remember that Moses would have had an incredibly murky conception of father. So God comes down and meets Moses on Mount Sinai after he'd rescued the people through the Red Sea and out into the wilderness and he wants to speak to his people and give them the Ten Commandments. Hear ye the word of the Lord. This is what it looks like to follow me and God speaks to Moses. says, then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord Yahweh. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord. And this is what God says about himself. And and this is why I say it's one of the most iconic texts in Scripture, because it's God's self-disclosure to human beings. If you're going to work with me, I want you to know what you're working with. And God says to Moses, I am the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness God says look I know you've heard the story about all those ancient deities and I know you're superstitious and I know you've just come out of Pharaoh's Egypt where they were dominating you and crushing you and you're tempted to take that experience and overlay it or superimpose it on me and I'm just the man upstairs who's this sheer force of divinity this block of power this depersonalizing and impersonal force and I'm I'm here to tell you today Moses I am the Lord the Lord compassionate and gracious, I'm slow to anger, I'm abounding in love, I'm steadfast, I'm faithful, I'll take care of you, I'll forgive your sins, I heard your cry in Egypt, I am the God that is here to make the world safe again for you, I only desired good for you from the beginning, and I will bring you to good, I'm going to lead you into the, I am your father, Moses. And this is how I will run my good world, this is my father's world. Hosea, then one of the great prophets of Israel, has an encounter with God. God speaks to him and through him to the nation of Israel several hundred years later. And Hosea 11.1 is God speaking, and he says, when Israel was a child. This is God talking. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. God doesn't say, my constituency my, my voting block, my people that, you know, they kind of owe it to me. I, I created them and I elected them and, I you know, that we got a deal going. He doesn't, he doesn't speak of them as some sort of depersonalized mass of people. He says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. I dreamed this one up in my heart. And out of Egypt, I called my son to say God is father is to say that the world is loved and cared for, and provided for, and safe. And to say that God is Father is, is to say that the world at its core is not a lonely mass of strangers. God is the one who is bringing his people together. He is the Father that loves his children. And the Father wants us to know him, so what did he he do. We had destroyed the story. Genesis three, you know it. You, you, you know, we rebelled and then God brings them back and then we rebelled and then God brought us back and then we rebelled and then God brought us back and finally he just says, you know what, it's time. It's time to do the decisive thing, to make the big move, to change the story once and for all. And so what does he do? The father sends his son. And we think that that's, I, I, we, I, we have just so used Jesus. We, we borrow we create these theologies that, that are well intended, but we end up using Jesus. Have you ever heard you know people talk about the great chasm that separated God from humankind, and we were over here and God was over there. and what do they do? They take a cross like this, and they, they sort of tip it over the chasm and they make it a bridge, right? And you just walk over the bridge. Basically, you're just walking over Jesus's back. You're using Jesus to get to God, and you leave Jesus behind. And we just, like it's a transaction with the deity. I appreciate it, you know. Now I've got my, my fire insurance covered and I'm, I've got, I'm, I got punched my ticket to heaven and I'm good. And obviously there was separation, but, it, but it's not some depersonalized, we're not using Jesus. Jesus is the perfect son of the perfect father who wants to bring us up by faith into his sonship so that we can become really good children of the father in heaven. Jesus says, come and follow me. Yoke yourself with me. Don't cross over the, the bridge that is the great divide and then leave me in the dust and use me to get to my father. No, come, come and, and have faith in me and believe in me and trust in me and obey like me and you will be children of my father in heaven. Come with me. We don't use Jesus to get to his father. We we have faith in Jesus, we trust in Jesus, we abide in Jesus, and because of that, we become children of the father in heaven. God sent his son into the world to redeem the world that we might be saved. Why did he send his son? God sent his son to teach us what it means to be God's children again. God sent his son to throw open the doors to the father's house again. And what did Jesus do? When Jesus came into the world, it's instructive what he did not teach us to pray. Jesus could have taught us many things. He he was coming to give us words. He was coming to show us the way. And Jesus could have said a thousand different things and there are many things that Jesus did not say. And when his disciples said, okay, son of God, what does it look like to partner with the Father? Like, show us the way. We don't know the way to the Father's house, John 14. Jesus goes, okay, I'll I'll teach you how to pray. And when he does, what does he say? This then is how you should pray, our Father. Jesus is re liking the world, if you will. Jesus is calling us into intimacy with his Father. Jesus is training us in what communion looks like. He's teaching us to pray our Father, and in this world that is so lonely and in this world that is so isolated, especially right now in this world that is so confused in a world without an identity, like have you, have you seen just how far we've drifted from our identity? A world that is news cycle and all these different messages flying at us of what it means to have a good life and what it means to be human and what it means. And, and, and we have drifted so far and we have to ask ourselves like, how's it working out for us? writing our own story. And here Jesus is all along saying, this then is how you should pray, our Father. And I think if you would just make it a discipline, try this for the next week, get up in the morning and and tuck yourself away in a quiet spot, maybe you get your cup of coffee, whatever your routine is, go to that place, sit down, settle down, put your feet squarely on the ground, close your eyes, open up your hands, and say, our Father our Father who art in heaven. Would you make me a child afresh? Would you teach me how to trust you? Would you show me today that the world is safe? Would you change my identity from Pharaoh's evil regime? More bricks, less straw. You are what you produce. Pharaoh's whip cracking us on the back. God, would you, would you remove that from my soul and would you settle me down as a child in your, in your house today? Would you show me what it looks like cooperate with you today, Father. If we would live that way, if we would start our days like that and get that in our souls, get that in our psyches, get that deep down into our bones and teach our people around us to get that into our vocabulary, watch what will happen with the world. Jesus taught us to pray our Father. And then Paul comes along and he's talking to the Galatians and he says something similar, that when the time had fully come, God sent his son Born of a woman, he's human. He's born of Mary, born under the law, why? To redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son Jesus into our hearts, the spirit who from within us cries, Abba, Father, Jesus teaches us to pray our father and Paul says that the spirit of God is sent into our hearts and the spirit provokes a cry out of us and the cry is, Abba, Father, Dad, you're my father and I'm your child and I trust you and he goes on to say, so you are no longer a slave. You're not living in Pharaoh's economy anymore. You're not living with those false and cheap identities. You're no longer a slave, but you are God's child and since you are his Child, God has made you also an heir. And isn't that what the human being craves? To be loved by the true and perfect father in heaven, the one who's not going to harm us, the one who's not going to be a moving target, the one who we don't have to protect ourselves from, but the perfect father who writes us into his inheritance. I don't know who would turn that deal down. And Jesus says, come And call on my Father. And as you do that Abba cry, the Spirit gets in you and you begin to cry Abba and that inheritance gets settled deep in your bones. C.S. Lewis was commenting on A.W. Tozer's quote earlier. Remember I said A.W. Tozer says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And C.S. Lewis commenting on that, he goes, yeah, but. I, I, I know what Tozer's trying to say. He says, but what God thinks about us is actually more important. (laughs) What comes into our minds when we think about God that's really important, C.S. Lewis goes, actually what God thinks about us is, is incalculably more important. However, it makes no difference in our lives if we don't embrace it. God can think what he thinks about us, but will we embrace it? Will we receive it tonight? Will we actually do the hard work of, of faith and leaning in and going, you know what? Here's my experience and here's my story and here's how I find myself living in the world and here's where I come from. And it's made it difficult for me to call on Father. But tonight, by faith, I'm going to take the risk that the Son of God comes and he teaches me to pray our Father. And apparently, the Father has chosen me and written me into his inheritance. And he's crazier about me than I am desperate for him. <laughs> And if that's true, that makes all the difference in the world. And I'll just suggest to you that if we could get Father in our souls, if we could receive that and believe that and wrestle for that and, and relax back into that and get up in the morning and, and, and take the words of Jesus on our lips and begin to enter into partnership and communion and say, our Father, if we do that for the next 10, 20, 30 years... Watch what happens in the world. In a really lonely world, the people of God need to rise up with that father cry in our hearts and on our lips. Friends, tonight I had this sense that there would be many of you in the in the room that fall into two categories. One would be that that tonight something's going to happen where you actually believe God can be trusted. The Father. He can be trusted. And sometimes it just takes a supernatural work. Yet therapy is so important and, and do the hard work and read and pr- all of it, period. And sometimes we just need a move from above where something stirs up in our hearts and we believe by faith God gives us the grace to trust him as father. And for those of you who struggle with that concept, those of you who you kinda, it, something catches. When you, when you go to pray our father, it sort of gets stuck because of your experience. I had this sense that there would be many of you tonight that, that you are going to walk out of here tonight changed and believing that God the Father can be trusted. And so if that's you tonight, would, as we come to pray and receive communion, would you just do your best to relax back into that and to receive the work that the Father has done for you tonight? The second group of people I sensed is that uh, many of you need to know that God the Father has written you into His inheritance. That you've longed for that. That that, that there wasn't. And, and I'm not even primarily talking financially, though that's a, that's a, a part. But. You long to have an identity. You long to have a name given to you. You long to be a part of something that was bigger than you and something to rise up into and something to be proud of and something to, you know, when when that name gets said, you can kind of go, yeah, I'm a part of that. And God tonight says, I have that for you. I have an inheritance for you. My name is your name and, and who I am and my house is your house and all the provision and all the love and all the identity and all the care, that is yours tonight. And those of you who have longed and you've ached to be connected to a larger story, tonight is the night where you see by faith that God has given you an inheritance that you've been engrafted into and that changes everything. I, when I love seeing someone who knows who they are. There is nothing, I, I don't know, maybe there's few things more beautiful than seeing someone who knows who they are. And when children of God walk into a room, and that father cry has, has worked its way down into their being, they don't have to speak up for themselves. They don't have to jockey. They don't have to name drop. They don't have to be big dogs. They don't have to be powerful. They don't have to fight for their own, they can just settle in because it's in their soul that I've got an inheritance and I am the father's and the father is mine and, and, and I'm good because I've been engrafted into the, to the son who knows his father. And so tonight my prayer is that that would happen in all of us. So I wanna ask you to bow your heads tonight and as the band comes, we'll, we'll prepare to receive communion here in just a minute. But as the band comes and the music begins to play, I want us to pray around this just a little bit. I want the Spirit of the Lord to come and do work. And for those of you who find yourself in the first group where it's been difficult for you to trust God the Father. If that's you, would you just kind of envision yourself yourself putting that mistrust into your hands. Would you cup your hands in front of you tonight? Would you see yourself just kind of placing that whole body of work that is mistrust in the Father? Would you envision yourself giving that over to him tonight? Relinquishing that and letting him remove that from you tonight. I pray, Father, that you would heal our hearts for everyone who's carrying that difficulty, that pain, that mistrust because of what was done to them. They didn't do this. I pray, Lord, that you would bind up their wounds and that you would wrap your arms around them and that you would heal their hearts, pour the oil of your spirit on those wounds and bandage them up tonight. Lord, I pray that those who have struggled with trusting the Father, that there would be a remarkable, supernatural work done so that there's, as they lay their head on the pillow tonight, something just feels different. And they can pray our Father from the depths of their being. So Lord, tonight, by your Spirit, I pray that you would heal those wounded places of mistrust. The second group, if you can keep your hands cupped in front of you, and you, you're not so much giving something over as much as you're asking the Father to fill your hands, to put something in your hands, to put that inheritance in your hands to give you the gift of his name and his authority and the association with the Father that that you are written into the inheritance. And Lord, I pray for those who have longed to have that place addressed in their hearts that tonight they would hear, this is my daughter whom I love. In you I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love. Hey, boy, in you I'm well pleased. I pray, Lord, that they would sense their their cup beginning to fill up, to overflowing, that they're written into your story, written into your family, written into your inheritance. And so for those of you, I pray that all loneliness and all sense of having to carry it on your own would be rebuked tonight and that you'd find yourself engrafted into the Father's story. And so, Lord, we ask you tonight to do this work deep in our hearts. Church, would you stand with me? And we're going to pray together the words that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray, and we're going to practice this. And and if it's not a routine of yours, I invite you to, to grow up and be the old person who can say, you know what, I got into a rhythm at some point in my life, of praying the words the Lord Jesus taught us to pray every single day. To take these words on your lips and and something will happen as you do. So tonight, church, some of you will be praying it by faith. Others of you will be praying it with some sort of spiritual muscle memory, but let's all pray this together. The words that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Would you get your communion elements ready to receive? Lisa, could you bring me one, please? Thank you. This is the right thing to do after praying that. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. And here the father is through his son, reaching across the table And Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, the son of God, who knows what it is to be in perfect communion with his father. He says, I'm going to teach you how to live in perfect communion with my father. Jesus, when he was betrayed, he took the bread. He's seated with his disciples. He's across the table from them. And imagine yourself sitting across the table from Jesus tonight. He takes the bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body which is broken for you would you break that little wafer right there and he says as often as you do this do this for the remembrance of me i'm I'm here i'm with you i'm for you my father will take care of you and so tonight jesus is here to feed us and to lead us into perfect communion with his father you may receive the bread On the same night, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant and it's given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. And I also want us to do a little bit of work here to think about who else is forgiven in this act who might've wounded us who might have made it difficult for us to hear and say, Our Father. People who might have left us feeling alone. Tonight, could we just do the really bold Christian thing and begin to try to extend grace and mercy? The same grace and mercy that Jesus is extending to us. Maybe Jesus will show you who he wants you to extend that mercy to tonight jesus gives us the cup and he says i i've given this to you this cup and it's in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins and as often as you do this do this for the remembrance of me jesus we give you thanks son of god teach us to know and to love the father we receive this tonight by faith you may receive the cup Let's worship the Lord together, church. Church, would you open your hands tonight to receive the blessing? I pray tonight that the Lord our God would bless you and that he would keep you, that he'd make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, and I pray that the Lord would lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people, and may he grant you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son And of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, amen. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here tonight? Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming. I do not underestimate what it took for you to come. So thank you. And please drive slowly, be safe. We're praying for you. I've asked the Lord that everyone would get home safely and beautifully without smashing into the curb okay good tires in jesus name tires that don't have tread may they supernaturally grow tread tonight father son and holy spirit and go from here in god's grace and peace so much love